Have you ever felt so exhausted and drained that you're left questioning if you're burning out? Hi, I'm Flick Taylor, and my passion for burnout and self-care came about when I became a mental health writer who'd lost her mental health to extreme burnout. I know, the irony is not lost on me. Join me as I host Everyday Burnout Conversations, the honest podcast that shares the stories of others, more walks of life as they recover from, manage and avoid burnout by prioritising their mental health and well-being. Expect to hear fascinating conversations, plus positive and actionable tips and tricks that can help you make the simple life changes your mental health will thank you for. Episodes will be delightfully wrapped up in some epic truths and great humour. So, enjoy! Today I share an everyday burnout conversation with writer and author Laura Jane Williams. Laura is the author of four novels, two memoirs, one audiobook and another forthcoming novel. The rights to her international bestseller, Our Stop, have been sold for television and her books have been translated into over a dozen languages. In this episode, Laura chats about her burnout experience and how it came hand in hand with the diagnosis of anxiety and depression. She talks about her multiple brushes with burnout over the years, along with the golden moments where she prioritised her health over her work. It was fascinating to hear how she found herself managing burnout while simultaneously experienced success of her first book. And so it's no wonder that her second memoir, Ice Cream for Breakfast, has brought many, like myself, great comfort during their own burnouts. I adore Laura's wit and honesty in her writing and feel her magic shines through brightly in this podcast too. So, without further ado... Enjoy this Everyday Burnout Conversation with Laura Jane Williams. Laura, it's such a treat to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for joining me. Um, First off, I do want to say a huge, big whopping thank you for your incredible writing. Like I followed you for years on Instagram and like your articles and your book. I've read all of your books, including The Life Diet, The Aldi Born. Yeah. And every time it's like, I feel so seen. It's like a comforting blanket, Mm. whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Darling, just adore it. So thank you very much. Because I know I am not the only one in the world who's going, oh, lovely. I can see a light again on Instagram. There's something else coming in the pipe works. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. That means so much. Yeah, it's funny. I you like you don't realize how long you've been trucking away until somebody says, Oh, back when you did da-da-da, and you're like, when was that? What? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. See, I can remember reading Ice Cream for Breakfast, and that was literally at the very beginning of my burnout, and I didn't even I didn't even realize I was burning out because you're just in it, aren't you? Yeah. And I can remember just feeling like, oh, such reassurance because of what you, you you know, you kind of, similar to you, I kind of did my dream job of writing. I'm like, I'm doing what I want to do. Why am I, why am I feeling like this? Why am I feeling Mm. so numb and tired and drained? So it was a real gem. So I would love you to start by sharing your story with those listening that would be amazing um well I think um I had probably had iterations of burnout 
And certainly my burnout uh, came hand in hand with a mild depression and anxiety diagnosis. Um, And I now recognise that those feelings it's like the blood runs through your body in a different way I'd had that before and obviously it had gone totally undiagnosed I'm thinking of a particular kind of um incident when it was a Christmas in my last year of school um and I think from being on that exam treadmill and pushing myself and feeling scared about my place in the world Um, But my first official diagnosis came just before my first book came out. And I think because of a lot of things, really, I had spent 18 months traveling. So I was in a heightened sense of I was sort of a, a digital nomad right as that was taking off as being a thing. And so I was working from every corner of the globe from... Switzerland to Italy to Bali to India like to the shed in my parents garden like you name it I I had been there always going there and so I think that rootlessness by the time in that time I got an agent we sold my book uh, I finished writing my book so six months before it came out I went to London Um, had roots for the first time and explicitly remember probably I I put roots down in the uh, January February and by the end of March I remember walking down the street thinking it is bright and sunny and I cannot feel the sun on my face wow yeah there is something wrong and this was you know uh, mental health as a concept I remember using that phrase on the phone to my mum, who is very compassionate, is very empathetic. But I remember her saying, mental health, mental health, what are you on about? You're not mental. So this was right, just right before it kind of became common parlance. So that was very, very scary. Um, And I think from walking down the street and knowing I couldn't feel the sun on my face, it probably took another month before I went to the doctors. Um, And so by the time, you know, this dream of having a book came true and I was impressed and I was being interviewed and the telegraph came to my house to take my picture. And um, I, I was a children's nanny, not doing any other work. I was medicated and just trying to get through the day and like those two things were my truths that I was holding at the same time on one end of the on one end of the scale like my dreams were coming true the telegraph were photo- photographing me at the house you know the book was in Waterstones and then the other side I could barely get out of bed um and had become a children's a part-time children's nanny to have that reason to get out of bed yeah um so that is is the very long version of just because it's not simple is it there's no pithy answer to that question it's Mm. when you're swimming in it and it's you know it's so much and it is the so much that for me was a hindrance in initially identifying the issue it was like a 
I don't know, like a slow drowning. Or I suppose it was a little bit like being in the bath and adding in more and more hot and not realising until you're about to faint that you've made the bath too hot. Yeah. That yeah. was kind of how just slowly it happened. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it's so difficult to articulate to others, isn't it? And I do mm. worry, I don't know about you, Laura, I do worry, especially with the pandemic, I think um, we've been cruising towards this for a long time, but I do think a lot of people are burning out and they, they don't even know. They don't yeah. even know. I, I think, uh, yeah, we're all running on empty because we can't properly refill our tanks. Yes. You know, there's only so many walks through your local woods. Oh, I didn't know this was here. Yeah, well, it's been 18 months now. So... Yeah. What are we going to do? I literally just had 48 hours away in London and, you know, it barely touched the sides, but it felt like a little bit of my old life. Oof. Just a little bit. Enough to go, all right, we'll get we'll get through the we'll get through the rest of the summer now. Yeah, right. Let's keep going. Yeah. It's mm. so true. And I think whatever age you are, we're all kind of having a struggle right now. Mm. I feel for the kids that have been leaving school, just robbed of those last weeks, the uncertainty with exams, knowing where I was with all of that as I was leaving school, um, you know, but yeah, hard for everybody. I particularly do, I do feel for the kids, though. It's such a such an important time in your life to be robbed of. It really is. It really is. So you went through that and wrote so beautifully about it in Ice Cream for Breakfast. And I really, I put all the, your books in the show notes, but I really hope people reach out and get to, it. was funny because obviously in preparation for this interview, I was going through and I was just like, oh, I need to reread it. I need to go through it. Like it's full of highlighter pen, but I need to reread it because there's like some, oh, this made me feel so much better. Page 99 when you don't know what to do next in work in love in life do nothing just for a little bit longer don't know be unsure for a little bit more time the answer will reveal itself it always does I so needed to see that last week because it's like, so hard to do though it's oh. so hard to do yeah yeah oh incredible because we think action is progress and I wrote that because sometimes inaction is progress. Just wait. It's not yeah. going anywhere. Calm down. I'm such a chaser. The thought of like, just stop and take a breath. And I have just seen my friend Natasha and I sent her a, a voice note um, by the time I got home. And I was like, I just so admire, you know, the lady's not for rushing in anything. Yeah. In anything. It's amazing. It's so inspiring to me. So, yeah, I definitely put that in, you know, not because I've mastered it, but because I need to be reminded of it. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a powerful little blurb that you like. Oof, I need to almost look at it every Monday morning to remind myself, you know. Mm, so what thank you, you. What do you do now, Laura, to help you kind of keep burnout at bay? Well, it's funny because right at the beginning of the pandemic, I uh, it's not the first time I've felt the tug of depression sort of on my, you know, on my jacket sleeve. 
and I was like I'm not okay and I was really deliberate about how I navigated that and I was totally overworked I knew one of my projects had to go I couldn't do all the projects that I was juggling and I was working with a production company to develop some early scripts for a TV adaptation of um, my first novel, Our Stop, which is like the dream, but also was contracted to write a novel a year for the next four years. Um, And there was this sort of looming threat. People were talking about this thing you could get just by breathing other people's air, which you know by the time lockdown came for me it was this huge relief like it was for so many of finally we've got some direction um but I deliberately reached out to specific people I know who were adapting their own work for screen um to both my screenwriting agent and my literary agent and was like look this is a situation what do you think I have a real I'm a, I'm a proper bridge burner I'm not proud of it I'm getting better as I go older and I knew the worst thing to do would just be like right see ya you know disappear off the the, the face of whatever project I decided to bin you know I was really deliberate about it and actually uh booked I left London a couple of years ago to move to the country um but London you know cut me in and I and I bleed a love for London and so went down there and met up with my best friend and we just walked miles around the city and ate red velvet cake and I was telling him all about it and was just so proud of my and he was like I think you know what you've got to do you know the adaptation sounds like the dream but that's the only thing that really can go and something has to go and I've never turned down work in my life so it felt huge it felt huge and like something I could regret um but at some point, you know, this career that I've been growing, of course, there's going to be too much for me to manage. And so picking what I wanted to manage. So and so that felt like a real win to take that breath and to talk to key people and say, I'm, I'm not OK. I'm not OK. And I don't know what the answer is. And I'm not sure why. But will you bear witness to me figuring this out? Um, and then there was a global pandemic and we all had a big meltdown. So at least I wasn't alone. Oh, my God. No, absolutely not. My mm. goodness. Oh, so what kind of things have you been doing in the pandemic? Because it's so hard, as you say, we don't have access to the things that we would use to fill our cups up. Mm, yeah, it, I I um, was right at the start of developing my next novel. So I kind of would have been in hibernation mode okay. anyway. Um, and my only role in the pandemic, you know, was to stay home in my pants drinking something on Blanc and writing stories. Um, so I kind of escaped in into my work. But I was doing walks. I was doing long voice notes with friends. Um, you know, we had the glorious weather. So it didn't feel, for me, it wasn't that laborious. I think, um, and this is, the, you know, this shows my privilege, but it, it doesn't make it any less true. The thing I've struggled with is not having travel plans in the diary. 
So I'm very good at like nose to the grindstone, get it done, but need that thing in the diary of, and that's when we're going to let loose. And that's what the work is all for. And that's the bit that I've struggled with. Um, So yeah, especially, you know, as we got into the, the third lockdown in January, it was like, there's not even any sunlight. What am I supposed to do? Eat. I have found comfort in food and I've let myself. Me too. And I know I'm not the only one, you know, get your kicks where you can. There's a season for everything. And I think the season of a pandemic is where are the biscuits? Baked goods. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And they're delicious. And I'm going to enjoy them. And then one day I'll swap it for an apple. But right now, no. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I'll have a box of cookies with a vitamin chaser, please. Got any of them chewy vitamins? I'll have one of them. That's that's it. I'll pretend they're sweets. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Oh dear. So, would you say that, like, because I'm sure, like you, um, I felt that I've learned a lot from my burnout, um, and I've learned to be a lot more gentle on myself. Whereas before, mm. I was pretty like hard and and quite mean to myself in a way. Yeah. You know? It's um, mm. it's difficult, isn't it, when you're um, like a freelancer and I've spoken to other writers, too. And and I think it's a little bit of a trait within us. Like we're, we're pretty mm. harsh on ourselves. Um, mm. I don't know how to step out of that. It's- yeah, I actually on. But I'm talking to you from um, my desk and I've got a poster that says I'm not available for making it hard. and that is something I just try and come back to Amanda Francis wrote that on her Instagram or was talking about it on her Instagram and I was like I'm gonna write that down I'm not available for making it hard the the thing that I'm cultivating now is a belief within me that um it can be easy and worthwhile or that which is worthwhile can also be easy um, that it can flow, that I can trust. Um, I, I was at lunch with some friends the other week and I said, you know, I've realised through all of this is that I'm the worst kind of high maintenance person because I've always thought I was low maintenance, but I'm a, I'm a high maintenance person that now owns the fact that she's high maintenance and I'm waiting for the other three women around the table to interrupt and say, no, you're not high maintenance. And no, just silence. <laughs> And then one friend went, well, good for you, babe. And I was like, oh, so, okay, I am high maintenance. And now I'm owning that I'm high maintenance. But part of that is this desire to control. And, you know, I'm so incredibly proud of the life that I've built my personal life and my professional life. For so long, I was only proud of my professional life. Now I'm proud of everything. Um, and that has come from diligence and application and ambition and thoughtfulness. Um, another word for which is being a control freak. It depends which way you look at it. And so now I'm trying to let go of the control to embrace, you know, for example, as I talked to you today, uh, I'm fit in edits for my next novel for next summer. And but also I've planned to go and see a pal for ages and ages. And so I could either punish myself for booking in to see my pal and work till midnight and turn up bleary eyed and tired and not enjoy it. 
Yes. Or I can go, do you know what? I've actually done four solid hours. After four hours, my concentration's not that good anyway. I know what I need to be thinking about in my head over these next few days. Put the editing away. Thoughtfully curate a beautiful suitcase of lovely dresses a nice champagne to take with you and then come back to it and like yeah this the, the uh, not punishing myself as much what is it it's there's I something know. really like puritan about it and something really like I literally live just down the road from the birthplace of the industrial revolution okay so like that concept of the longer you work, the more you produce, you know, we didn't know what a weekend was until the unions got involved. And then we had Sundays off. And uh, my my friend Tiff does a, a podcast called Is This Working? Ooh, my friend, well, my friends. Yeah, Tiff and yes. Anna. And I remember Tiff talking about like, back in the day when we imagined robots, we thought that was going to be the end of like the manual labour or at the very least, reduce our days. And actually, that's just not happened for so many of us. Like, why? Blurred lines, isn't it? It's blurred. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. really not shutting off. And I'm really guilty of that because I kind of go into that mindset of I need to achieve an awful lot and want to do a lot. And I've got my mm. team this. And I think that's what makes us produce the goods. But at the same yeah. time, it's so. It can't, the, the flip side is if you're teeter on the edge. Yeah. Not good for our mental health. Because you, I can remember listening to, I think it was Chloe Brotheridge's podcast. Mm-hmm. And she said that um, ice cream for breakfast was an Irish twin to becoming, like you had written yeah. nine months. But yeah. you put that down to radical self-care. So you kind yeah. of got balance there. Yeah, it that was uh, <laughs> that was just that was such like an intense period of growth for me that becoming came out. Um, I started to nanny. I was alluding to it on Instagram, where I continue to build a community of just you know the best of social media. That sort of like-minded people, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, the same publisher of Becoming were like, I, we want to write something about like embracing your inner child and everything you're going through. You know, if you could just put it in a word document instead of Instagram with you know that you're onto something but in that time I had also become a dating columnist for Grazia okay so it was just so bizarre it was like the minute that I stepped back and let myself breathe the more I was being like more deliberate you know because I had stepped back I had I was I had time to date and I remember swimming in Stoke Newton Leisure Centre and being like, I'm dating so much, it's practically my job. Maybe I should make it my job. Writing a pitch to somebody at Grazia who had reached out to say, I loved becoming. And I was like, hi, you know you said you love becoming. Well, da 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 da, da. <laughs> um, So on paper, it's like, so sorry, you had two books out in nine months and you were a dating columnist and you were a part-time nanny. But I did in a lot of ways feel like I had more mental space and so much of that is just by owning the fact I I wasn't okay and I was going through it yes yeah and it and that sounds like the easiest thing in the world now on the other side of it at the time you know there was shame and embarrassment and well every other emotion you can imagine but um yeah owning it 
So yeah, it was an Irish twin. There was nine months between becoming an ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> and after that, um, I didn't have a bookout for two years. I was done so. Right. Um, and now I'm actually... You were doing yeah. articles for Red and Grazia and... Yes. You were, yes. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Do you think you would ever step back into the pool of burnout? Well, <laughs> it's, it's more like... Uh, it's funny because I did have this deeply transformative experience, painful but transformative, right on the cusp of it becoming this common parlance. So I feel like as other, I feel like I contributed, by talking honestly, I contributed to, uh, you know, even if it was just one more person who read Ice Cream for Breakfast going, God, yeah, I've not been okay either. Mm-hmm. Um but also meant I was able to be a better friend, better sister, better family member um, to anybody else subsequently going through it. Um, so it did give me a level of empathy I didn't have before. I think and that's I'm not true in your characters, Laura. Oh, thank you. I really you. do, darling. I really do. Absolutely. Thank you so much. With Penny from the Fall Square and um, Annie. Yeah, thank you. It comes through. Oh, I've gone goosebumpy because I think when I read about these women, I think that's what makes me feel so seen. Mm. Yeah, because it, it's hard. I do try and create these characters now who. Um, especially in my first two books in Our Stop and the Love Square, um, I wanted these women who were very secure with what they did at work, but had this longing for their personal life. Um, In my first book, you know, she worked a lot and was happy about it. In my second book, um, Penny had recovered from an illness and went, you know, it's just not worth it for me. This is how my hierarchy of needs looks. And I'm happy with that. And a bloke's just got to fit in it. and then in the lucky escape I wanted to explore you know we put so much pressure on yeah girl boss yeah you know do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life and I was like what if this character has a very good job but actually in in asked about it doesn't care it's not for her wants to do something else so um yeah just exploring all of those facets that can exist within one woman at different times and in different places of, of her life, I think. Yeah. So it's a very that's kind that, thing for you to say. Thank well, the you. The fact that Annie, um, she was forced to just sit in that pain, you know, I, that's kind of something that really resonated with me because I mm. have, I don't know about you, but in my life I've always, I'm just a grafter, I'm proactive and, you know, I always see the glass half full. And so it, I find it very difficult to be sad. <laughs> It's almost like I yeah. have to my sad. I have to make it like, oh, I'm growing. Like, how about you just sit and cry and feel like a little bit? Yeah. This is sad. I think it was just as our stop was coming out. I actually am not, I love writing books. I'm not very good at releasing books. I always enter, and I know lots of writers that do this, like around publication. It's just horrible. I don't there's just something that happens and I remember a friend introducing me then to the the concept of toxic positivity and I'd never heard of that before I didn't know that it could actually be quite damaging to be like well it could be worse or at least I've learned this or you know and that to sit in it yeah um again as we started you know don't do anything 
just for a minute. Just take a breath. So hard. I was going to say it's the simplest thing to do, but my gosh, is it hard. Mm. hard. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people listening to this, it'll hit the spot. You know, oh, thank you. Because I think, uh, and this is, I guess, when you've been through something and then you pass on that wisdom, that's the greatest thing from it, isn't it? You know, and that's why I love to tell stories. That's why I love to consume stories. That's why I love to follow other people's real life stories. Um, you know, we are storytellers, and it's and it's how we learn and. Um, you know, the rhetoric around who is allowed to share stories now and, and who isn't. Um, yes, let's acknowledge our privilege, but a lot of us are privileged and still hurt. Right. So uh, Elizabeth Day talks really wonderfully about, about that, I think, especially on how to fail her podcast. So, um, yeah, we are just intrinsically storytellers. I'm so interested in what other people have to say and giving my contribution and that's that's humanness surely yes exactly exactly and and empathy at the core like wanting yeah. to know wanting to step into someone else's shoes wanting to to look at those common similarities we share even if we come from different worlds absolutely absolutely yeah I oh, agree. amazing Laura <laughs> I'm looking at the time so um, I've been ending all of my interviews with some uh, questions, some quick fire, lighthearted questions, if you're up for it. It's yeah, of course. Everyone has a slightly different take. So then let's have a look at the, um, on your dodgy tough days, do you opt for lemon in water or lemon in gin? Where do you take your vitamin C, love? <laughs> <laughs> I do do a bit of both. Yeah, I do do a bit of both. Um, I, um, I do have a wine merchant who was delivering New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc uh, by the box load in the pandemic and then realised I was treating it like a challenge, <laughs> not a treat. And so it was like, do you know what? This, I don't think this is, uh, I, I'll just... I'll just put a bit of lemon in some mineral water. So it does, it does depend. I, let me tell you now, I have just got no sense of balance. I'm either at one end or the other. So if I'm on the gin, I'm on the gin. If I'm on the water, I'm on the water. And never the twin shall meet. Yeah, living life to the full. Whatever extreme that is, you're going all in. It's yeah. my Scorpio moon. I don't know what to tell you. It's just, it's my Scorpio moon. <laughs> fantastic now do you move your body or move the remote I do enjoy moving my body uh but you are talking to me 18 months into a global pandemic where I'm sorry there is I've done Netflix I've finished <laughs> Netflix I've finished Amazon Prime I've finished Apple TV uh there's been a lot of sitting on my bum um but I, I, it's funny. It's funny you ask the question. Um, I, as soon as I've done these edits, I'm like, I can feel it. I'm, I, I just want to get back in the gym, and I want to feel strong again. I don't feel strong, and I'm feeling a bit creaky, yes. and I do not enjoy that. I do not enjoy that. That is not worth. Yeah. My knees. You no. Know. The morning. I'm yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. What, it's what it's lovely to binge Ted Lasso, but I would prefer to bend down. <clears throat> to pick up a towel off the bathroom floor without going oof 
if I had to choose, if I had to choose. It's so true. Ted, hang on a minute. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just stuck picking up this towel because my whole body hurts, even though I'm only 35. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back in the gym, getting strong again for sure. Sounds good. Now, are you bag of almonds or bag of Maltesers? Bag of Maltesers. With tea. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just why wouldn't you? Yeah. (laughs) Now ask. (laughs) <laughs> exactly in the go <laughs> now do you ask for help or are you happy to hermit I'm a hermit then I ask for help mm, me too and I'm getting better at asking for help like I say last year March 2020 going I'm not I'm not okay something's not right and speaking out about it I'm really proud of that you should be you really should yeah. be it's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. So saying how easier. Do you think it's a practice thing? I'm completely asking for myself here. I'm like, will it? Yeah, and I think the more that we hear other people, I read something today that was like, it was about mothers, um, but I think it's applicable to anybody ask them how they are and when they say fine ask them again yes and um, it reminds me of you know when you're trying to convert to judaism and you have to ask the rabbi three times because they have to check that you're serious uh i'm thinking about a very specific episode of sex in the city when i reference <laughs> that by the way um i assume it's just true for all of judaism um it was on sex in the city it must be true um <laughs> Yes. So the idea of, oh, how are you doing? Fine. How are you really? And just doing that follow up. So somebody goes, well, do you know what? I'm bloody knackered, but I'm getting through. I do think is a way to access that truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I had someone reach out to me um, when they read a few of my blogs on burnout and they said, like, I'm really not doing well. My kids aren't doing well. When I ask my friends, they say they're fine. We're all bloody lying. I'm like, it's yeah. just, like, and you're right. It, it is asking, like, you okay? Really? You okay? Mm. Yeah. I will say the height of the pandemic, we were all just trying to get through it. And so taking on anybody else's oh. stuff was impossible. I do think we all thought we were doing each other a favour by, you know, because it was just so scary. Yeah. Just so scary. Yeah, a surreal, intense period of time. That, Mm. like, I I feel with, you know, certainly my family, we're still in it. I've got a 14 year old and 12 year old. And, you know, they're saying, I'm done with walking and going on a bike ride. I want to walk to somewhere, go on a bike ride to somewhere. Like, you need, yeah, it's in that purpose now. Yeah. Even just sitting in my cousin's back garden, you know, Mm. I cannot believe that was illegal. Mm. I passed a woman in a park sat on a rock eating a sandwich and she looked up at me and went, please don't dob me in. (laughs) And in what world is sitting on a rock to eat a sandwich illegal? And I just went, you've got no worries from me, duck. I've got, I've got a bag of crisps in in my bag myself. (laughs) Just, it's, just bizarre. Oh, I can remember listening to um, the two shot podcast. Um, and I think he was in, Craig was interviewing uh, Kerry Goodyman, 
from Afterlife. And she was sharing a story that she went out for walking the park with her son. And her son was like, Mum, there's two women in that bush with a bottle of wine. She's like, leave them alone. They're having fun. Leave them to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's true. This is what we've yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Two women in a bush with a bottle of Whispering Angel. I mean... Oh, I've, whatever it's worked. been hard it's been it, hard it has you know and we're not through it yet and that's the thing just because no. we're over it doesn't mean it's over yeah um yeah. but at least it's not illegal to have a sandwich on a rock anymore at least not in England at the time of I know it's time true. of recording it's true it's true I know we're just okay here but we'll see we'll see what happens mm. So mm. what, Lassie, what's the one thing you're going to do today that your future self is going to thank you for? Um, I think tomorrow Laura is going to be thankful that she's put the editing away for the day. Oh, well done. So that she can wash her hair and pack a bag and just arrive feeling refreshed and not. I used to do it, you know, every Christmas I got really poorly. But I would skid into Christmas on my knees and be exhausted and have to use it as a time for recovery. And me and my friend Claire for for the past couple of years have said, no, January, uh, December is when you have to start taking your foot off the the pedal so that you enjoy that like restorative, beautiful family time. And, and, um, just don't run yourself ragged. So it's the same thing. The thing I'm t- tomorrow, Laura is going to be so thankful that she ironed a dress, packed a case, and washed her hair. That's Amazing. what I'm going to do. And Amazing. the editing will still be there when I'm back at my desk on Friday with fresh eyes, and you'll probably be able to go through it quicker. I mean, that's what I'm telling myself. Like, is it true? I don't know. But the point is, it doesn't have to be. <clears throat> I can be just as confused by these structural edits as I am today, <laughs> but at least I've had a rest. You've had a rest. You'll be feeling yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. And you're continuing to put out magic into the world. Oh, thank you. Oh, oh my God. I just love you. Oh, so good. So good. Thank oh, you so much. Thank you so much for your time today, darling. It Yay. was such a treat. And I'm so thrilled I was able to talk to you about that. Thank birth. you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everyday Burnout Conversations. Please check the show notes for any links to items discussed today. And the original music and sound editing is by Chris Taylor. If you've enjoyed this podcast and have a spare few minutes, then it would be absolutely amazing if you could leave me a happy starry rating and review. It really does help this podcast reach a little further. And I just love it to land in the lap of those who, like me, last year are perhaps feeling isolated and lonely in their burnout struggle. Please note this podcast is not intended as medical advice. Remember, you matter. So don't hesitate to reach out to your doctor or mental health professional for support if you're having a rough time. Wishing you a great week and take good care of yourself. Bye for now.